הרי אני מקשר עצמי לאכול הצדיקים האמיתים שבדורנו, אכול הצדיקים האמיתים שאוכלי עפה הקדוש המשה בארץ המה. ובפחד לרבנו הקדוש צדיק יסודו רם נחן, נובע מכוחו חכמה, רבנו נחן ופגן, נע נח נחמן נחן מאומן. זכותם תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן. בעזרת השם, today we are going to do תורה קל"ו, all the way up until קמ"ן. Do not judge your fellow until you reach his place. So let's see what this has to do with the subject Rabbeinu is going to bring. This is exactly what the Chachamim say. You shall judge each person favorably to the side of merit. As brought down in Pirkei Avot. Because when there's strife upon a person, when there's argument against a person, you need to investigate, investigate and find some merit within your fellow, meaning in the fellow and this that his fellow is opposing him. Meaning in the fact that you're being opposed by this other person, it would seem on surface level that you don't need to do anything good because the person's causing you suffering. He's judging you negatively. But Rabban was telling you that even when there's an argument against you from someone else, you have to judge that other person who's fighting against you, who's causing argument against you, you have to judge him positively. Find something good within him. In order to draw him or to judge him to the side of merit, not guilt. Because strife cannot be avoided for one of two reasons. Or the first reason being that his friend is greater than him in level, in spiritual level. And therefore, this other person is arguing against him because he did not reach his place. Because this other person did not reach his place. Um, meaning that your friend who's arguing against you is greater than you spiritually. So he's arguing against you because you're not at the same place. Um And the argument stems because you did not reach this, friend, this person who's opposing you, that person's level. Therefore, you need to put effort and to toil so that you should reach the, the, your friend's level in order that you two shall be equal. And then, um, there will be no machloket, there will be no strife. Or on the opposite side, Or sometimes it's the exact opposite. That he's actually greater than his friend. And the reason why your friend is opposing you is actually because your friend is jealous of you for the fact that he did not reach your level. Therefore you need to judge him positively. And with this you're actually able to elevate your friend to the side of merit. And then they're in one place. Now in the same level. And then certainly there will be um, no because machloket strife Rabban was telling us only exists because of one thing because one is different than the other there's a difference between the two but the second they are equal and there's no argument what's the difference whether you are greater than your, whether your friend is greater than you or you are greater than your friend that's the difference that we just mentioned above For those two reasons, this is why my argument exists. But if they were both at the same place, at the same level, 
it's certain that there would be no strife between these two people. Because with a single entity, when there's a single thing, there's no such thing as machlok, and machlok only exists when there's the concept of two. And this is why it says in the verse in Pirkei Avot, or in the phrase in Pirkei Avot, Do not judge your fellow until you reach his place. Meaning what? Meaning that you shall... You should put effort so that you should be with him in one place. Meaning at the same level. From either one of the two perspectives mentioned above. And then certainly there will be no strife. Because with one single entity, machloket isn't applicable. Strife isn't applicable when there's the concept of one. Because there's no differences. And with this, when you elevate your friend to the, or you judge your friend to the side of merit and you elevate him, <coughs> it is possible that your friend will completely um, return from this machloket. He will stop fighting, stop doing this strife, and there will be no strife anymore. Or that his friend would, will incur a fall. Because it's possible. It's, it's possible that you are heaping coals of fire upon his head. By the mere fact that you're judging him positively. Basically that this idea that in judging him positively, either he's going to, going to return from this machlok he's going to relent, he won't continue causing arguments against you, or he's going to incur a fall, a fall. As we see in this verse from Mishle, with this idea of the coals. And this is why it says in the verse, Judge each and every person favorably. As brought down in Avot, Dan Daika. It says the word in the verse, or in the phrase, in, uh, in the Mishle over there, Dan, judge. To judge positively. Because this is an aspect of judgment. And mishpat, justice. Mamash, literally. Because it's known that before a person ascends up to a different level, this person is judged. So we see here this idea that... Um, before a person ascends up to a place, this concept of judge. And this is why the person has to judge the other one favorably. Whether it's because your friend is greater than you or whether it's because he's lower than you. Because before you elevate him to the side of merit, he has to go through judgment. And you are causing that judgment on the side of good, obviously. And therefore, when a person does this, he judges this other person favorably to the side of merit. And he elevates him um, to a level which is greater than he... When, than he was before. Daninoto, then in heaven they judge this person. And according to the verdict of this person who judged him down here, according to the fact that you judge this person positively, so too up there it will be the same verdict. This awesome inyan of what happens when a person judges another favorably. Okay, Torah Kufla Medzain. Maybe the smallest Torah in Nikote Moran. Torah Kufla Medzain. Um, my portion is God. I, 
I said to keep your words. What did that mean? My portion is God. Meaning my portion of godliness that comes from above. Meaning that peace of godliness that comes from above. Meaning that peace within me. My soul. That I have. That I possess. Omerli tells me. Constantly tells me. And constantly teaches me. To keep your words. Rabban was reinterpreting this verse in Tehillim in the most awesome fashion. Meaning that that soul within me, the godliness that I possess, the neshama that God granted me, that I have is constantly telling me and teaching me how to guard the words of Hashem. So this is how Rabban interprets this verse in Tehillim and gives us a chidush with regard to this verse. Okay, Torah Kuf Lamedchet. Lecha Amar Libi Bakshu Fanai. It says in Tehillim, on your behalf, my heart has said, seek out my countenance. What does Rashi say over there? As your emissary. What do they mean on your behalf? Meaning as your emissary, as your messenger. So let's see what this means. Rabbanon teaches us that the essence of godliness is present within the heart. A person's heart contains this godliness. It says in Levavi that God is the rock of my heart. So we see that God is is placed within the heart. is brought also in Torah 49 of the We see over there this idea that the heart possesses this godliness. And one who has a pure heart or who is pure hearted in the aspect of what it says when David Amelech writes, that my heart is hollow within me, meaning that it's hollow of sin, of impure blood. Meaning Rabbi Nachman is teaching us that, what does it mean to be pure hearted? Meaning that your heart is hollow. So when a person's heart is hollow, and that heart now possesses godliness, what happens? A person is able to know the future through what the heart is telling him. Because the heart possesses its godliness. So if a person has a clear heart and his heart is hollow and just possesses godliness, is a vessel for Hashem, then his heart is able to tell this person what will happen in the future. Because his heart is telling him literally the words of God. And this is what it says. Um, on your behalf, my heart has said, seek out my countenance. Meaning the heart is telling you, seek out my countenance. Meaning the godliness. Lecha. What does it mean? Lecha. On your behalf. We saw it with Agashi. As your emissary. What does it mean? Lecha. On your behalf, my heart has said. On God's behalf, my heart has said. Meaning that the, the heart itself is an emissary. is a messenger for God. And the heart is um, speaking on God's behalf. Telling this person, seek out my countenance. Meaning seek me out. Seek God out. Because that which the heart is speaking, that which the heart is saying, are literally the words of God. As we said about Ve'aven. Rabbanu tells us, understand this very well. Awesome. Torah Kuf Lametet. Tzedek lefanavi alech ve'asem l'derech pe'amav. Tzedek lefanavi alech, it's entailing. Righteousness or justice shall walk before you. Ve'asem l'derech pe'amav. And he'll set his foot his footsteps on the path. Okay, Let's see what this has to do. Let's see what Rabbanu tells us. The great value of Shabbat is this. 
Kibachor, on the six days, during the six days of the week, during the weekday, when the evil forces have rule and power, so when a person does a mitva during the six days of the week, the, the husks, the evil forces, they nourish themselves from the feet of the mitva. Because we know the evil forces always re, are always standing at the bottom of holiness. So all that they grab from, the way they nourish themselves from, is from the lowest part of Ketusha, the lowest part of holiness, which is always the feet. Which is Malchut, etc. So we see that the, when a person does a mitva during the 60th of the week, the evil forces nourish themselves from this mitva, from the feet of this mitva. Hikom mitva, hikom as we know in lesson 5, Rabbanu speaks about this, that each and every mitzvah is a complete structure. So if the evil forces are trying to grab onto the feet of this mitzvah, then the mitzvah doesn't have the feet to be able to walk and to ascend up to God. Because we see that the evil forces have taken their feet, the mitzvah's feet. Her feet descend down to the death. Whose feet? The mitzvah's feet. Meaning the, the feet of the mitvah descends down to the death. And when Shabbat comes and the rule of the evil forces is nullified, then the feet of this mitvah are able to go up. Because the feet of the mitvah during the 60th of the week was encompassed or was captured by the evil forces. Because the evil forces have nourished themselves from the feet of the mitzvah. So the evil forces are eating from this feet constantly during the sixth of the week. But on Shabbat, when there's no evil forces, then the feet are able to go up. Then the mitzvah ascends and walks before Hashem. And this is why it says in the verse Yeshaya, this is a secret of what it says. If you return your feet because of the Shabbat, Meaning, through the Shabbat, a person's feet are able to return and to um, restore itself, to go back, to emerge itself from the evil forces. Then the mitvah is able to ascend and to go before God. God delights in this mitvah, the feet of this mitvah. Even if this mitvah was done by the lowest and lowest of people, even if it was done without any proper intention, even any intention that was fitting for the mitzvah, even if it was rid of any sort of concentration, nonetheless, God has great pleasure from this commandment that this person did. Just like a father, just like a father who has great pleasure when his son begins to walk, even if his son is not walking properly, nonetheless, the father receives great joy from this. The same is true um, that he takes so much delight within each and every single Jew from the mitzvah that this person, that this Jew is doing, from the act that this Jew is doing. And behold, one who's walking in a midbar, in a desert, in a place with no road, he's not able to make a trodden path through his footsteps, except unless he walks a lot and a lot and a lot. Then he's able to make a, a path which is trodden and to make a, a pathway. 
Otherwise, his footsteps are just going to be absorbed by the ground. But unless he walks on the same road, Allah, and Allah, and Allah, then he'll be able to make a pathway. And these mitvot that a person does, these commandments that a person does, these good acts, are called tzedek, justice. It says, All your commandments are, are just. So we see that tzedek is compared to mitvot, as David Damerach writes. And now we can sum up the verse. And this is what it says. Justice shall walk before you. Meaning what? What is justice? The mitvot, as we just said. Meaning when the mitvah walks before Hashem. Then what happens? He'll set his footsteps on the path. What does that mean? He'll create a pathway with his footsteps. Meaning, from these foot, from the feet of, um, from the footsteps of this person. Meaning, from the mitvot, from the legs of this mitzvah, which is now ascended up to Hashem through the concept of Shabbat, Hashem makes a derech. He creates a pathway. Which is what we're talking about—a pathway which is trodden for the public. Now, many people can walk on it. Because um, um, God makes a pathway from this for the public, meaning that the, the mitzvot are easily able to ascend, etc. And creates a pathway up for all the other mitzvot to ascend. Because Hashem has so much pleasure from this mitzvah, that He creates from these footsteps each and every mitzvah that a person does. Um, when it ascends, He creates it a, a complete path, a trodden path. Vezeu. And this is why it says in the verse, um, And he'll set his footsteps on the path. Look, with regard to this subject, a little bit further on, Siman Resh Ainzan in Torah 267, the Rabbanu speaks about this at length over there. And the final Torah for today, Kufmem Torah 140, As it's brought down in the Yov, with the hand of every man, God seals. God seals with the hand of every single person. That all men may know his deed. That all men may know his act. Okay, let's see what this means. Rabban was telling us about the tzaddik. That the tzaddik himself, one is impossible, it's impossible that a person is able to grasp the tzaddik himself, or the tzaddik himself, because the tzaddik has no grasp. There's no one who can understand or grasp the tzaddik. Because the tzaddik is higher than this person's intellect, or any person's intellect. It's only through those people, those students who are close to the tzaddik, can a person understand the level of the tzaddik. Meaning, if you want to understand the level of the tzaddik, look at his students. Because just by looking at his men, his students, his students who are men of action and who have fear and who are perfect, and with the students you have a grasp and an understanding, a perception. Because the world isn't so far away from the students, they aren't so distant from this concept of the students. Not like the tzaddik who's completely un, uh, ungraspable, that you cannot grasp him. 
the students still have some grasp. You can still understand the level of the students. Therefore, one who wants the truth, who's searching for the truth, it's possible to know the greatness of the tzaddik through the tzaddik student, his men. And this is exactly like the parable of the seal that Rabbanu brought from Eyov. That the seal that the writing that is engraved on the seal itself is impossible to read. Because the letters itself on the seal are reversed. When you try to look at a stamp, uh, look at the writing over there, it's reversed. You can't read it over there properly. Only whenever you stamp and you impress this seal, this stamp upon wax, only then are you able to see the letters, the form, the image engraved upon the seal. Only whenever you press it on the paper or on the wax, etc. And then you'll be able to understand the writing of the seal. Same is true. The wax, which is able, which enables you to read that seal, is like the student. And the seal itself is like the tzaddik. The tzaddik is not graspable. You cannot understand the seal. The seal is like gibberish if you try reading it. Because it's written backwards. But only when you press it on the wax itself or on a paper will you be able to read the writing. And this is what it said in the verse, that with the hand of every man, he seals, meaning what? The tzaddik is called kol adam. As we see in the verse, the verse, as we see in that phrase, there's the two words, kol adam, in the hands of kol adam, of every man. The tzaddik is called kol adam, every man. How do we know this? Because this is the duty of kol ha'adam, of every man. As it says, um, we see this idea of the, uh, in the Gemara Brachot, Vav Bet. That kol ha'adam is this reference to the tzaddik. And this is why it says in the verse, Ladat kol That all men may know his deed. Meaning through the pious followers of the tzaddik, one is able to know the tzaddik. By knowing all the men of uh, the men of action who follow this tzaddik, you're able to understand the tzaddik. Just like the parable of the seal that we mentioned above. And the tzaddik is also an aspect of the seal. How do we know this? It says, He sealed his offspring with the sign of the Holy Covenant. And what does it have to do with sealing in the covenant? What does the covenant have to do with with sealing? And what does uh, the covenant have to do with tzaddik? I better bring the Zohar. As we know in the Zohar, what it makes a person in the category of a tzaddik? One who conquers and guards the Brit Kodesh. One who's completely pure in uh, from sexual desire etc so this is what makes a tzaddik a tzaddik and uh, one is sealed with the brit which means what's the brit it's a tzaddik the, ho- the, the holiness of the brit is the tzaddik so he's sealing the tzaddik his, his, his offering was sealed with the brit but the brit is a reference to the tzaddik so we see that sealing and the tzaddik are connected so may we understand the tzaddik through his students and attach ourselves to the students of the tzaddik and uh drink from their wisdom so that we should truly emulate the holiness of these righteous tzaddikim who have um, made a pathway for us to draw close to Hashem, Bezrat Hashem.